third episode of the KLR podcast. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's it's been a minute, it's but been a minute. You yeah. know, it's not past noon. It's but. not late enough to um, drink a beer like last time. Yeah, we, we got our coffee this time. Yeah, so. and the first two episodes we did pretty late in the day, yeah. like five o'clock, four o'clock around that time. I wasn't sure if we wanted to talk about the uh, the recent Batman movie that came out at some point. Yeah, during... uh, that would be kind of fun to start it off the new Batman movie. And what was your kind of first take <clears throat> on it? Uh, I I really liked it. It really surprised me. Um, I mean, I thought it was going to be good. I really liked the portrayal of Bruce Wayne. Uh, it was very different from the yeah. Christopher Nolan trilogy where, you know, uh, you got Christian Bale playing kind of the more the playboy, the playboy Bruce, Bruce Wayne billionaire. role. Billionaire, yeah. And uh, this, this uh, portrayal of Bruce was more dark and... Almost more believable to me, in a sense, because if you have a guy dressing up every night, <laughs> yeah. beating people to a pulp. Yeah, no, it was a great... I really liked the movie overall. Um, it was a little too long for my liking. Yeah, uh, I found I myself so. really having to use the bathroom in the last hour, but holding it, because... Oh, yeah. That's me with almost, like, every time I go to the theaters. That's, like... Yeah, one of the downsides, like, you don't want to get up because you could be missing out on so many cool things. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, it, uh, it exceeded expectations as, as far as that's concerned. And uh, I, I really like the first half of yeah. that movie where he's just really being a detective figuring out all this stuff. And then the second act, it, it's kind of crazy, but, I mean, I still liked it. I still liked it, too. I definitely, though, uh, we haven't really seen the first hat, like, I need Batman. to watch it again. All right, well, do we want to... Let's let's move on. Uh, well, first off, um, I'm Colby Fenton. Oh, yeah, and I'm Jonah Hoffman. Yeah, and um, and let's, yeah, let's get this podcast started with uh, Movie of the Week. So, uh, I guess to start us off, uh, we got Movie of the Week. You want to get going on that? Yeah, let's do it. So, cool. Movie of the Week, I just uh, saw this uh, a couple weeks ago. It is uh, V for Vendetta. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Yeah, V for Vendetta. When's the last time you saw this movie? I think when it came out. Yeah. Like, okay. In so in like what 2005? It came out in 2005. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, it came out in 2005, directed by James McTeague, and um, it's kind of cool. James McTeague has an interesting history in his in his directing career. He was the assistant director to like all the Matrix movies, mm. and then that kind of led up to like 2003. That's when Matrix Revolutions um, came out, and then 2005 he. Sole, he was the sole director for mm. V for Vendetta. So just kind of cool to see, you know, someone be an assistant director, which I didn't even really know was kind of a thing, but it makes sense. Yeah. Do you know who voices V? I feel like I, no, I can't remember. No. So it's a uh, Hugo Weaving. Who and is that again? So he, um, he's played um, um, Mr. Smith um, on on all the Matrix movies. Mr. Smith. Um, the, I mean, we'll throw. Oh, up a is picture. he? Is he Elrond? He's, uh, he's also Elrond from Lord okay. of the Rings. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's is, cool. He he's a good villain, I guess. He's a good villain, and what's so cool about 
him playing V in V for Vendetta because you just hear his voice, right? Well, I, I, I say I guess because is he even the villain in that movie? Is, in V? I, I, it's been so long since oh, I've no, seen he's it. Oh, no, he's the good guy. Oh, okay. But he does play a good, a, like, bad guy. Okay, um, gotcha. But, um, yeah, V for Vendetta, he, it's, it's kind of cool the parallels with, um, like, with Mandalorian because – they're in a mask the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. But you only hear his, their voice. And so he just has, I, I think, just a great voice, kind of like Pedro Pascal, just mm-hmm. kind of fits the character um, so well. But, um, yeah, uh, V for Vendetta, the, kind of the plot here is just England is just in a really oppressed state, like, um, you know, just government control, um, you know, kind of dystopian. And, of course, you have this character v who is kind of wants to liberate everybody Mm -hmm. and then you have of course natalie portman and she's kind of like the kind of the protege kind of thing for v and yeah it's making me want to rewatch it because obviously i'm a pretty big natalie portman fan i mean i love the prequel star wars movies i loved black swan Oh, Black Swan. Yeah, that's a movie I haven't seen in a while. We, but, I remember we tried to watch it a couple months ago, but I fell asleep, and yeah, I've been meaning to watch it again. I think I fell asleep, too. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah. That's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and um, Stephen Fry is also in this movie. If you see his face, you'll know who it is. But there's actually one clip I want to show you mm-hmm. in this movie, and while I show you this, we'll kind of go away, and the viewer will see it. I can assure you, I mean you no harm. Who are you? Who? Who is but the form following the function of what, and what I am is a man in a mask. Well, I can see that. Of course you can. I'm not questioning your powers of observation. I'm merely remarking upon the paradox of asking a masked man who he is. Voila! In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. A lot of V words there. Well, yeah, (laughs) I know. He just goes like on an absolute tear of um, just a alliteration with mm-hmm. the word B. I really like that scene, especially when she's like, who are you? And it's like, do you understand like the idiocracy and like of asking some a mass person who they are? Because like, why would they tell you if mm-hmm. they're wearing a mask? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I just, yeah, really like that scene. And the one last thing I wanted to talk to you about this movie is the writers. So, okay. Um, the Wachowski sisters. And... So they also wrote Matrix and mm-hmm. everything. And what I didn't know when I was first, because it was like Lily and Lana Wachowski, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, the, uh, the Wachowski brothers have like sisters that I didn't know about. Um, and so then I went down and, and was looking about that and then found out that the Wachowski sisters are the Wachowski brothers. Yeah, uh, they are trans. Yeah, yeah. trans women. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, for some reason, I just was unaware. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of interesting that both of them. I know. Like, the- that's, not, you know, just they were both like, this is our mindset. Learned that today, uh, which is cool. But yeah, uh, brilliant writers. Mm-hmm. Um, done a lot of great work. And that's, that's, oh, and one last thing. 
okay, you know, the tra- uh, Transformers mm-hmm. um, um, franchise, Hugo Weaving uh, voiced Megatron. So... Hugo the, Weaving? The, the the guy. Oh, really? Yeah, he voiced Megatron. Just just kind of a t- another tidbit of just how awesome his voice is. Yeah, that's my movie of the week. So, Jonah, what about, uh, what about you? So, I've been really kind of obsessing over sports lately, but... Uh, I my movie of the week is Moneyball. We all understand what the problem is. We have to okay, replace. Okay, good. What's the problem? The problem is we have to replace three key players in our nope. lineup. What's the problem? Same as it's ever been. We've got to replace these guys with what we have existing. No. Nope. What's the problem, Barry? We need thirty-eight home runs, one hundred twenty RBIs, and forty-seven doubles to replace. The problem we're trying to solve is that there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Oh my gosh! I was when you started talking about sports and like mm-hmm. I was like Moneyball. That yeah, and that's that might be my favorite uh, baseball movie. Um, it's people that don't even like baseball. I feel like would just like that movie. It's that good. Well, uh, one of the one of the reasons, obviously, other than it's just a great movie in and of itself, but uh, it's very nostalgic for me because uh, two thousand two, uh, the year the season takes place in Moneyball. That was a very uh, nostalgic time period for me because I, that was when I first started to watch the Mariners and really kind of get into them. So I remember all the players that are mm, that's portrayed cool. in the movie. I remember growing up watching them. Like, so the context got, for you is even greater. Yeah, uh, so Moneyball came out in 2011. Uh, it actually was nominated for quite a bit of awards. Uh, it didn't win any, unfortunately, but um, it was nominated for Best Picture, uh, Best actor, uh, best supporting actor. Oh, wow. For Oscars? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a really good movie. Adapted screenplay, uh, sound mixing. It's got a great score. Um, and uh, it also won uh, the AFI, American Film Institute, uh, Film of the Year. It was directed by uh, Bennett Miller. I hadn't really heard anything that he has done before, and so I, lo- I looked him up on IMDb. Uh, he actually directed the movie Foxcatcher. Oh man, that's another a great movie. Uh, and tragic. <clears throat> yeah, and the movie Capote. I've never seen Capote, Capote, but that has Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I heard. I heard it's a good film. I just, you know, haven't haven't seen it. Um, and then the score, like I mentioned earlier, really awesome. Uh, it was done by Michael Dana. Michael Dana. Okay, that sounds familiar for some reason. Well, he's done uh, he's done the score for quite a bit of films. He did it for Capote. He did it for the movie Life of Pi, if you remember okay. that movie. The the cast is great. You got uh, Brad Pitt obviously playing Billy Bean, who I is the general Brad. manager for the love Oakland Brad Athletics. <laughs> uh, you got uh, Jonah Hill, who was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He's playing oh, he Peter Brand. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, he's the assistant GM. You've got also got Philip Seymour Hoffman playing Art Howe, who is the manager of the A's. And I remember him. Well, I had a, I remember I had his baseball card when I was a little kid. Yeah. And so it was interesting to see Philip Seymour Hoffman play that role. And then uh, I didn't realize this until a couple years ago, but Chris Pratt is also in the movie. Yep. He plays Scott Hatterberg, who uh, has a... His story in itself is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also went to WSU. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, Scott. The... Scott Hatterberg. Oh, I did not know. Yeah. Um, 
fun little fact there. Go but yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's just all around a an awesome movie. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Well, do we want to jump to the next segment? Then? Yeah, or? I think we're going to jump to oldie but a goodie. So. So we are back for Oldie But A Goodie, and we have Ryan Rogers here with us. Ryan, Pleasure to be here. Yeah, how we doing? Doing good, man. How you doing? Doing, doing great. Um, and just so you all know, uh, this is the guy that uh, makes all the music for KLR, most notably the outro for all of our voiceover videos. Yeah, the old, good old theme song. We're having Ryan on this segment, Oldie But A Goodie, and Ryan... You want to get started here, buddy? Yeah, so the movie I chose for Oldie But a Goodie, uh, I think you'll like this, is 1966, going way back. Ooh. The Good and the Bad and the Ugly. By Sergio Leone. Okay, I love it. I love it. The Good, the Bad, the Ugly. So yeah. who, who, uh, who is right, who's directing this one? It was uh, Sergio Leone, and oh. uh, it's actually. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> thank you. We'll it's, cut that. You. Yeah. You know what? We'll leave it. We'll leave it in. Um, we'll leave and it yeah, in. it's actually so. It is the finale in a trilogy of right. uh, what has since been called spaghetti westerns. Spaghetti westerns. Because uh, they were like really low budget western movies in the age of uh, when westerns were super popular in media. Awesome movies, um, but this is the one that really like blew up in media. Yeah, and iconic. The soundtrack—that's really the first thing I wanted to talk about. This Ooh, movie, because soundtrack, it has, in my opinion, like top three soundtrack of all time for any individual movie. With when we were doing the segment with Bryce, he asked us like, "What is our favorite soundtrack?" Oh in yeah, the movie. And okay, so this would be top three for you. Yes, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, actually, I forgot to mention, they're called Spaghetti Westerns because they were filmed in Italy, because um, it was cheaper to film there. Really? So if you look at the credits for any of these movies, um, they all star Clint Eastwood. It was really his first big role as an actor, and it's basically him and then a bunch of Italian actors that... So this was all filmed in it, like in yeah. Italy. But yeah, uh, soundtracks are so influential that even to this day, and this actually really bothers me because I love this song. The song's mm. called "Ecstasy of Gold," but you hear it in so many. Wasn't uh, it in the last beer? I was just gonna say bring um, up the last beer, and it, that got copyrighted. Remember? Yeah, yeah. So funny enough about the last beer, it's one of our first uh, little short films we made. <laughs> But I uh, I made the music for it and obviously it's, inspired by it. yeah it's you know it's like that meme of like 
copy my homework but change a few things so it's not the same. Yeah. And they changed like one word. That's essentially what I did. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was different enough uh, to where it wouldn't get caught by the algorithm. But no, thank you. What was funny was it was a few months after you posted it. Yeah, it just like showed up one day. I was like, Ryan, should we like battle this? Because I didn't really know about like how close it was. And he was like, I don't know. (laughs) We should just leave it as it is. It was like Warner Brothers Studios. Yeah. What, they have like the intern for YouTube? They're like, all right, search for all the two-month-old videos and see if they have copyright music on them. Yeah, I just, I thought it was a a good movie for this segment because, A, you know, we have our own history, which, honestly, when did we upload that? Might have been two years to the date. Yeah, we'll definitely throw in a clip of just something. April 16th, almost exactly. 2020. Two years ago to the day. Holy shit, that is, that's that's freaking wild. (laughs) If we would have done this podcast tomorrow, so it'd been exactly two years ago. I think I had a huge beard in this. You did. Oh. Even if you've never seen it before, it will already seem recognizable just because it's it's got to be one of the more influential movies ever made, in yeah, my opinion. Absolutely. Love that movie. And all right, we're going to jump ships. Um, I guess I'll go for my uh, oldie but a goodie. So this is, um, this is one of my favorite Studio uh, Ghibli movies. It was um, made in 1997, uh, Princess Mononoke. I'm going to show you how to kill a god. Fire! Princess Mononoke, when's the last time you saw this, Ryan? Oh man, it's been at least like, I would say like seven years. And I only saw, I think I watched it one time at my parents' house and I like came down for a holiday or something and I was really hungover watching it, but I was just... Blown completely away. Completely captivated the whole time. One of his, uh, I think it's actually possibly his only move, uh, Miyazaki at <clears> least, <throat> or Studio Ghibli, um, that's PG-13. Like, oh, yeah. Because like, it has like... It's pretty dark. It's, yeah, and you know, I love the action, the battle, the battling in this. It's really mm-hmm. cool. But yeah, director, director Miyazaki, he's done a lot of Studio Ghibli. And then this, I didn't even know this, but super cool, writers, Miyazaki and Neil Gaiman. You know who Neil, Neil Gaiman? Gaiman? He uh, is the author of Coraline. Um, oh. And he's done like some other things. I kind of have his history up here. But uh, yeah, I mean, Good Omens. It's an Amazon TV show. Mm. But uh, d- yeah, I mean, Coraline, I read that like last year because Henry read Coraline <laughs> and it's a super good novella, I think it's called. Talking about the voice actors, um, a couple ones that you'll probably recognize, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, um, uh, does Jigo. Oh, remember that yeah. guy? Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> does this guy. It's like Wario. Um, and then you also have, you have Jada Pinkett Smith as Toki, um, kind of like the badass, like, woman in that village. Yeah, that, that girl. Um, so, yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith. And Recently then, in the news. Yeah, um, I made a whole Will Smith. If Will Smith was a cat, you've probably seen that. Um, sorry. <laughs> Uh, and then the only other like probably notable actor that you might know is this guy, Billy Crudup, plays the main uh, dude Ashitaka. 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 Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. If, yeah, have you recognized this guy? I do. I don't. Yeah. I feel like I've seen him in a bunch of things. Yeah, but I... he's but really amazing. The, the one cool thing about Studio Ghibli's, uh, whenever they do the uh, the English version, they get they spend quality time and effort into making a good 
voiceover. A, a good dub. A good dub. Well, remember Howl's Moving Castle has Christian Bale? Yeah. Yeah, this movie was made back in the day when they were still actually hand-drawing everything, Dude, I want to say. it's so good, it's, man. It's beautiful. It, it like, holds it up is, to better. To yeah. Most, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's extremely visually compelling. There's really strong themes in that movie oh, of like environment, uh, environmentalism, uh, yep. and uh, actually, fun fact. So, uh, I, I think it might have just been people from the team of Miyazaki, or he might have actually himself worked a little bit on a uh, Breath of the Wild 2017. Oh, are you okay. kidding me? I oh, I I think there is some sort of connection there, and actually, that would be the, cool. uh, um, the forest god or whatever in that movie you know mm -hmm. what i'm talking about the yeah deer thing the deer thing that oh, there's a beautiful elk there's like a easter egg kind of in breath of the wild of there's one mountain in the whole giant map uh where sometimes if the mountain's glowing green if you go to the top of it there's this like spirit horse thing that looks exactly like it That's and you, awesome. you can totally tell like it's it's a uh, very heavily influenced by that movie that's that's awesome yeah i love it Love this movie. Can't recommend it enough. Um, Jonah, take us away here, buddy. Yeah, mine uh, is a... It, mine is not that old. My movie is from 2004, but I feel like there's been so many adaptations... There's been an adaptation since this came out that I felt like it was appropriate mm -hmm. to call it an oldie, but a goodie. But I did the movie Friday Night Lights. How y'all doing up there? Y'all doing all right? It's my all-time favorite football movie. It I saw it in the theater with my dad and my brother in 2004 when I didn't even like football. So there's a and, movie and then a TV show. And a TV show. Okay. I have never seen the show. Okay. But uh, the movie is awesome. Uh, it's directed by Peter Berg. He's done a lot of... Uh, kind of i don't know i don't know if you'd call them good movies but blockbuster movie he did hancock uh he did the movie oh. lone survivor with mark Wahlberg. he's done a lot of mark Wahlberg movies he him and mark <laughs> Wait, Wahlberg must hancock, be good is that the one with will, will smith, smith. Yeah. yeah and uh I like that one. but yeah the cast uh billy bob thornton kind of funny yeah he's <laughs> he's the head coach and uh oh he is yeah okay that's awesome yeah and uh basically uh uh, small town Texas high school uh, college football I mean not college football high school football is very big in the state of Texas oh, yeah. yeah they love and um, it's almost like they treat it like it's college like yeah. like they have, have a, you seen some of the high school stadiums in Texas and yeah like, it's they're like better than like Martin Stadium yeah know, in WSU it's, or, it's crazy <laughs> how much goes into it there and like the quick aside like even the kids themselves going to the schools mm -hmm. they'll like transfer high schools and like try to go to the best high school possible to like you know showcase their talents like yeah. it's college or the nfl it's yeah it, it's just it's a really good movie uh the score is done by i don't know if you guys have ever heard of explosions in the sky yeah I but saw they are sasquatch oh so, so yeah. Yeah, yeah they're mostly yeah, yeah. instrument instrumental yeah, which makes them perfect for soundtracks but yeah they do the soundtrack and it's always kind of stuck with me. Um, but Tim McGraw is also in this movie. Yeah. Dude, I was... And he plays a alcoholic dad who wants <laughs> his son to just, like, he's basically trying to live through his son. Oh. Why can't you hold on to football? It's so goddamn hard about holding on to it. I'm sorry. All you got to do is hold on to the goddamn football, and you can't do it. Tell me why you can't do it. Just tell me. 
That's all I want to know. I, I try better next time. Come on. Hey. Walk away from me. And it's just Isn't like vicariously or something. Yeah, live vicariously through his son, and it. He does a really good job. Like I didn't know it was Tim McGraw until I watched it two nights ago. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I, I, the one time that I have seen it, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, good. it's um, you definitely have a sports theme. Yeah, I was going for kind of a sports theme because uh, I did Moneyball earlier Moneyball, for yeah. movie of the week, and yeah, I don't That's know our movie. our podcast. Uh, Inspired you. It, it has kind of just been, yeah, I've been in a sporty kind of a mood lately. All I right. think it's funny how in these high school football movies they cast like 33-year-olds to, to play a song. Yeah, well, and that's the funny thing is uh, there's a scene where uh, they're like, you know, reminiscing on like this season midway through and they're like, uh, we're 17, you guys. And it's just, like, funny that that is a line in the movie because they all look like they're 30. It's <laughs> that just, was just what they did in, like, the 2000s. 2000s. They would just yeah. be casting these 30-year-olds. Young, like, young-looking 30-year-olds, but, like, they kinda, sometimes. They kind of... Yeah, sometimes. They kind of still do that, but but they get... They, they do gear it towards more, like, you're, like, above the age of what we... Are shooting for but you look the part yeah i mean there's that one guy what, i can't think of the movies i think he was in he's in game of thrones and he was uh i know who you're talking Jojen, about Jojen yeah Reed. He's, he's like 32 yeah and he looks younger than any of us <laughs> yeah well and just it goes like saying like it's a lot harder to find young talent like someone that is actually 17 yeah. years old to play that because they yeah it's it's hollywood and you, they want them to look perfect. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, well, I think of Tom Holland when I think of, like, an actor that is as... He's only, like, a year or so younger than us, but he yeah. looks a lot younger than I us. I think yeah. when I um, they did um, Homecoming, you know... When did Homecoming come out? In, like... 2017. 2017. So he was, like, 20, maybe 19. I think he was, like, 20 or 19 when that movie actually came out. And he, he was 21. Oh, he's 21. Yeah. Okay. And he I'm only looks, I'm looking at it right now. You That's just why. knew that out of your mouth. No. Um, <laughs> and but he just looked like an actual 16 year old. Well, shoot. So I think that's uh, that's the segment for oldie but a goodie. Uh, thank you so much, Ryan, Thanks for coming for in here. Yeah, yes. definitely gonna have you on the podcast for more for more segments. Uh, we are gonna go now into upcoming movies. Yes. yes. All right, we are back. Uh, really fun having Ryan on the podcast. But now we are going to go into upcoming movies. And Jonah, going to start us off. Yeah, so uh, for upcoming movies, I once again, like last episode, decided to go with a television show. Television, just yes. because I'm excited for a lot of television shows coming out. There's Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> of good ones. Honorable mention, uh, the... Obi-Wan television show. I was thinking, like, is I he didn't choose, choose that, that but I really wanted to, but I also just, I don't know. That's I, a, that, I I'm, might be most excited for that one, even more than Mandalorian. I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, this one is going to be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that one when I mention it. Okay, let's hear uh, it. I decided to do the House of the Dragon. It remembers names. 
the yep. new upcoming Game of Thrones television There's show. There's a lot of hype with that one. House of Dragon. Okay, so what's the time period? I kind of forgot. <clears throat> so, uh, for starters, uh, the House of the Dragon uh, comes out on August 21st August of this year. 21st. So, okay, okay. Uh, and it's based on the book uh, Fire and Blood, which uh, goes back... A couple hundred years from the original Game of Thrones timeline. Uh, okay. The, the show that we know and love. It it pretty much just covers the Targaryen dynasty. and That's uh, awesome. I haven't read the book yet, but now I know. Because uh, I wanted to read the, books bef- the book before the show came out. And now that the show has a set date. So I, it's before Robert's Rebellion? It's not it's doing... It's like 200 years before okay, that. Okay, so they're just doing all new... Which is kind of a smart way to go. Yeah, well... Uh, you know? Because I read... I read uh, Night of the Se- uh, in the Seven Kingdoms, which is covers the story of a knight and a boy that travels with him, his squire, basically. And that is set around the same time, 200 years prior to Game of Thrones. And you got a lot of interesting things going on during that time period. You have uh, the Black Rebellion, which is basically a civil war between the Targaryens. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, vying for the throne and whatnot. Okay. I won't give away too much, but uh, I am very excited about the show. And Is it going to be set? It's not going to be on Westeros, then. It'll be on... What's the eastern? No, it'll, be, it'll be on Westeros. It'll be on Westeros? Okay. Oh, because yeah. that's where they were, Yeah. I guess. The Iron, mm-hmm. They made the Iron Throne, right? Or yeah, yeah, they, and that, well, so three three hundred years prior to the Game of Thrones timeline, you had um, Aegon, Aegon conquering Westeros. Right. This okay. I'm pretty sure is much after Aegon's reign. They kind of are already I, in power, as far as producers, directors. Uh, George R. R. Martin obviously is, he, w- right. is a main producer. Okay. Uh, and then you have <clears throat> Ryan Kandal, who. Uh, is also uh, one of the executive producers, and he actually helped write the pilot script. So it seems like him and George were essentially the two creators. And then um, <clears throat> this was kind of interesting. Uh, the cast, uh, I didn't really recognize anyone in the cast, but uh, Patty Considine. I don't know if you ever Patty watched... Considine. I don't know if you ever watched... I didn't recognize the name, but I recognized the, the guy's face. Uh, did you ever watch the show The Outsider on HBO? Mm-hmm. It was a Stephen King. Yeah, I watched that whole thing. It was the... Uh, this guy uh, was in The Outsider. Is most of the actors and actresses that are going to be in this is kind of like no name? Like not- I, He's the only guy I recognized. Yeah. And I think... It's kind of cool, though. I'm pretty sure that... Uh, the guy that played the lizard in The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, oh, um, yep, yeah, I know. Reese Iphens. I see his face, but I don't know his name. Yeah, Reese Iphens. He's in it? Okay. Yep, he's That's... he's playing uh, been in one stuff. of the characters in the show. But, uh, yeah, very, very excited about uh, Fire and Blood coming out. Obviously, yeah. it's going to be on HBO. HBO, okay, I was so. just going to ask. Yeah, there, that's... That's going to be one of the, uh, the shows kind of similar to the Lord of the Rings show that's coming out. Mm-hmm. A lot of expectations. A lot, of, a lot hype. of hype. According to George, it's uh, not going to disappoint. So okay, okay. Uh, I hope that's he uh, went, uh, some form, form of an apology for how badly the show ended. Yeah, that's not really his fault, though, right? That was... Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, don't know. I understand how he could feel pressure, but at the same time, it's like, bro, 
mm-hmm. finish the story. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, cool. That's I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. So that's yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, so should I take the reins now? Go for it. Okay, so upcoming movie um, for my choice here. This, it's been, um, it's been 12, no, 13 years since the first one came out, but it's the, it's Avatar 2. I know one thing. Wherever we go, this family... Oh, so and I I remember oh the blue the blue Avatar yeah not the Last Airbender the James Cameron um, the one that came out in two thousand nine that broke so much box office they're finally following through because I feel like I've heard them say they're making a second one for like ten years so it's coming out December sixteenth it has a release date oh wow December sixteenth of this year. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be out in theaters everywhere, um, you know. It's they, a, it's James Cameron. Um, James Cameron is directing it, and mm-hmm. he's also he's a writer uh, with Josh Friedman. Nice. Um, but yeah, you have a lot of the same cast coming back here. So you of course have uh, Sam Worthington as Jake Sully. Uh, you got Zoe Saldana as uh, uh, Natiri, um, and yeah, and then you even have Stephen Lang. Who was the kind of the antag? He was the antagonist in the first one. That the big, big guy? general like asshole yeah. guy. But, but this is going to be a, a big Christmas blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, the I was looking at the budget. The budget is I want to say two hundred fifty million. Two hundred fifty million. Jesus. I'm 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 I'd watch it in the theater. I yeah. think it would be a movie you'd want to watch in the theater. But yeah, sure. There's not too much information about it other than what I just told you. Uh, so, so yeah, that's upcoming movies. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for watching the podcast. I've been Colby Fenton. I've been Jonah Hoffman. And we'll see you on episode four.